Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org. Well, this morning, we are in part three of The Knowledge of the Holy. We are looking at uh, a book by A.W. Tozer, uh, a great book, The Knowledge of the Holy. And uh, we started off by saying that your understanding of who God is will dictate and will dictate the course and the future of your life. When we understand the attributes, the characteristics of who God is, we have a proper understanding of who He is, then that will order the course of our future and of our life. Uh, the, of course, the amazing attributes of God, the characteristics of God are beyond measure. I will confess to you this morning, I'm going to be using big words. Hopefully, I'll pronounce them well. Um, and it, it, unpacking this and some of these things, these are some of the characteristics, the attributes of God that theologians have struggled with, but there's been disagreements on. Um, trying to wrap your mind around some of these things is almost impossible. A lot of them we will not wrap our minds around or understand until we get there. But that doesn't mean that we cannot look into God's Word and He has given us answers and to some of our questions. So we're going to look at some of those this morning. And one of the first things that we're going to look at, there's three that we're going to look at this morning, the characteristics of God, and that is the infinitude of God. Can everybody say infinitude with me? Ready? Infinitude. Another, just a big word there, infinitude of God. Basically, that means God is infinite. There's no beginning, there's no end, there's no limit, there's no extent, there's no... Um, Anything that he's not limited by time or space or matter. He lacks absolutely no information. He is stopped by no obstacles. No hum- he's not subject to human laws. Um, he is subordinate to no authorities, no obstacles. He is restricted by absolutely nothing. And so when I think of that term, infinitude or infinity, I can't help but think of the famous quote by that theologian, there he is, Buzz Lightyear, to infinity and beyond. Of course, that was his hope that somehow out there he could do all things, no obstacles, break through any of those obstacles. But of course, we know that we are finite. That means we are, as humans, limited. But the infinitude of God means that he is not limited in any way whatsoever. Listen to Romans eleven thirty three through 36. This is how Paul puts it. He says this. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments. How unsearchable his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? From, for from him and through him and for him are all things, to him be the glory forever, amen. Oh, the depth. And we look at some of these things, and when I was preparing this message, is like, oh, the depth of some of these characteristics of God. Now, as 
finite human beings, in other words, being limited in our knowledge, limited in our understanding, it's almost like we're, we almost seem proud that somehow we could wrap our minds around of who God is. I was watching uh, a special uh, just the other day about the, the universe and, of course, the new telescope that's out there. It's really opening up uh, the eyes of scientists and philosophers. And I watched how um, this was done a few years ago about the black holes and trying to wrap your mind on that, how everything is just being sucked in by the black holes, the gravitational pull. And here you've got uh, Stephen Hawking and some of these great scientists when they first looked at this. All of their philosophy about the universe, they said, now, after seeing this, they, we thought we knew, but we just don't know anymore. <laughs> we're, we, we're hoping we'll know. We're trying to figure some of these things out. And they kind of got a, a little bit of a, of a game plan of how they thought it worked out. But here's finite, my, finite man trying to look into the infinitude of the universe and of God. And so... Um, A.W. Tozer, the one who, of course, we're looking at this, the knowledge of the holy, he said this, he pointed out this difficulty of us being finite, trying to understand this and grasp it. He says, of all that can be thought and said about God, his infinitude is the most difficult to grasp. Even to try to conceive of it would appear to be self-contradictory for such conceptualization that is, I had to look it up just so I could know, the action or process of forming a concept or ideas of something. Um, somebody misspelled something. Oh, that would be me. We'll fix that for the next service. Requires us to undertake something which we know at the outset we can never accomplish. But he says this, yet we must try. Because what we start off by saying, the way we look at God, the way we understand God will affect our life, not only now, but in the future. So we've got to try. For the Holy Scriptures teach that God is infinite, and if we accept his other attributes, we must of necessity accept this one too. That God is not limited by anything. So from the perspective of us being finite beings, of having limits on us, trying to comprehend the infinitude of God is a tough thing because basically we're proud, we're arrogant, we want to know things, we want to think that we have a grasp on it, just sit down in any conversation, whether it be in politics or whatever the conversation is, everybody's going to have opinion and they think that their opinion is right, right? And they'll try to defend that on the information that they have. And it's hilarious sometimes to listen to some people talk when you ask them, well, did you, how much have you researched this? Well, I don't need to research, I just know. So basically you're basing your opinion just on something you feel or you think you know with absolutely no evidence whatsoever, and yet I'm, you want me to respect your opinion. Now that's what's called pride and arrogance. <laughs> and so that's what we think though. And so being that we are finite, we are bound, we are limited, we, are, we have an end because of our sinful nature of, of our knowledge, and we have a hard time accepting that truth, don't we? We have a real hard time accepting the truth that we just don't know everything. One of the hardest things for people to say is, eh, I just don't know, <laughs> because we want 
everyone to think that we know. So here's a few areas how that we are finite compared to God. One thing that we are finite, in other words, we're limited by, is by our motion. Our motion. Um, we can fly in planes, but man has yet to fly by flapping his arms up and down. They tried it. It's hilarious if you watch some of that. And so he's limited. He could jump off a building and fly for a while, but eventually he's going to land. Okay, uh, so we are limited by our physical constitution. They can, we can sing that song, I believe I can fly all you want until you hit the ground. We can swim, but we can't swim indefinitely long distances. At some point, we're going to come to the end of that, and if we don't reach dry ground, we're going to drown. We can lift enormous amounts of weight, it's hilarious watching some of the reels on FaceTime or Facebook or whatever it is when the people are, they're lifting this enormous, and their legs start to shake. And you just know that they're in the end. They're at their limit. And a lot of them fall in. It's, you know, the legs break because they reach their limit. And so we're, we're always going to reach a limit in our motion. Uh, also time. We're limited by time. We only have so much time on this earth. We are we are living here, maybe 70 years to live, maybe 80, maybe 90, but eventually, you don't hear too many people uh, at 150. You just don't hear about it because we're limited by time. We're eventually, all of us are going to pass. And so the next one is, of course, because of time, is our existence here on earth. Every one of us is going to end up in the morgue sometime, some way or another. So we're dependent we're mortal. We're not self-originating. We're not self-supporting. We can't keep this thing going on our own. We're not self-perpetuated. We are born, and as soon as we come into this world, we begin to deteriorate, don't we? Some a little faster than others. Number four, our personalities. We're limited on account because of our inherited gene pattern. Our DNA that's been encoded in us, we're limited by the things, how that we have been encoded. Our characteristics, all of those things. Some people have different characteristics. They can jump higher than other people because of their DNA. Some people are stronger than other, others because of their DNA. Some people are smarter than others because of their DNA. But everyone is limited at some point. We're all different because of our DNA. Our presence, he's, we're, we're limited by our time and space in relation to that. We can't be at two different places at one time. We are where we are, and that's it. And the last one, how we're limited, is in our knowledge. We're restricted by our intellectual design, our trait. Yeah, anybody remember that movie? Yeah, I got a brain. It's called Abby someone. Abby normal. <laughs> so funny. So we're limited by our knowledge. We, we only can understand our reasoning ability is, is only so much. My, I found out my reasoning and understanding ability when I wanted to be an architect until I found out that I was no good at trigonometry and calculus and all, I don't even know all the rest of our math teacher here can tell us all the different aspects of math. I didn't get it. And so I had to have a career change. I loved drafting. I did all that, but when I came to math, I was like, eh, 
I didn't get that gene. So it's like had to pass that one up. So knowledge can be limited. But God is not limited by any of those things that we're limited by. Not by motion, time, existence, personality, presence, or knowledge. He's not limited by any of those. Job said this in Job 11, 7, 8. Can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? They are as high, high as the heavens. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? So God's infinitude is, is that he is not limited by anything. And we are blessed as his children to know that we are limited in all of these areas, but our God that we serve is not limited in those areas. And that makes him God and us not. Amen? So God knows no bounds, which is an attribute that we, of course, as, as finite children, we can claim, be, claim God's infinitude and his promises because we know that he is not bound by anything. He's not bound by matter or energy or time or space. So that's why when Jesus came here to earth and he, in, he encountered blind Bartimaeus, I mean, he's blind. He, he doesn't have any sight whatsoever. That Jesus could come into this time-space continuum and this affliction that in almost every sense is incurable. Now, we can help it. Some of you, a lot of you are wearing glasses in here. We can help our sight. So we have some bit of, of ability to enhance sight. Now they've got course, laser surgery and all those things. But somebody's eyes who completely, the DNA is not there for them to work, there's nothing we can do about it. Doctors haven't been able to do anything about it. But Jesus, because he's not limited by that, he can step right into the middle of that and pour, and here's blind Bartimaeus. Jesus says, open your eyes, eyes open. All of a sudden, he can see where he couldn't see any longer. What a blessing to know that we have a God that can step in into our lives no matter what we're facing at any time, any moment, and change it in an instant. Amen? He can. Now, it's another question is, why doesn't he? And Tim's going to explain all of that next week when you come. So, But that does tell us that God is able to do the miraculous. God is able to do above and beyond what we can even ask or imagine. That is when it's seemingly maybe a couple's gone through something and it's been horrible and maybe one has cheated on the other and how that God can all of a sudden, if they turn to him in the midst of that, he can restore a marriage that you'd say, that's no way that could ever happen apart from God. And some of you are sitting here this morning with that very testimony that you can give and how God is not limited in any way. He can restore, he can heal, he can break, and he can wound the brokenhearted, amen? So therefore, uh, it says in Hebrews 7, 25, it says, therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. So it says when we come to God, he is able to save us completely no matter what the situation may be. Now here's a question that many have had as far as God being able to answer prayer. And hopefully this will help you a little bit this morning and help me. Uh, have you ever asked a question, you know, and even little kids ask this question, how can God hear everybody's prayers all at once? I mean, 
How can he hear that all the way in India and Africa and, and when you're driving down the road and just praying as you're going down, how can God hear everybody's prayer at once? Uh, the reason being is, is number one, we, we think in our, in our limited amount of, of knowledge and understanding is when we hold a conversation with someone, um, if we're looking at them, we're listening to them, we can, we can comprehend what they're saying to us. Add two or three more people to that conversation with everybody talking. We're like, okay, huh, did you hear what I said? You know, we're limited. We can't take in all of that. That's why you're sitting at the table, you're having dinner with your spouse, and you're on your phone, you're texting, and she says something to you, and she says, did you hear me? Oh, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, you didn't hear her. Because, so we're limited by that. Because we think in our brains, we're finite in our attention span. God doesn't have a brain like ours. Do I even say that he has a brain? I don't know. I can't conceptualize that. But God's, his power of attention is infinite. So that means that he's without limits. So God can listen to a trillion people at one time, and he doesn't have to spread his attention out to anyone else because he's not limited in his attention. He is listening to each one of you like you are the only person in all of the world. That's God's infinitude. Can you wrap your mind around that? Can you wrap your heart around that? So when you're praying to God, we should be able to talk to God and we should imagine ourselves having an audience with him all by ourselves. And that God is listening intently to you and to your prayer. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, he is listening. He's not off doing something else. Say, well, God's too busy to listen to me. Then you are limiting God when you say that. In your pride, don't say, well, God's just too limited. I'm, I'm not important to God. Really? Then you're denying a character of God of his infinitude. That's one of his characters that, characteristics. It's a part of who he is. So when you pray, imagine yourself praying directly to him. He's listening intently. He's not being distracted by a conversation over here or somebody doing something over there. He's listening and keyed in right to what you're talking to him about. Is that a blessing or what? So the infinitude of God. Now the second one is this. So God is without limit. God is, there's no end. He's not, he's, infinitude is not anything to do with our, our natural laws. He's limited by nothing. Number, number two is the immutability of God. Everybody say immutability. That's pretty good. You got it. The immutability of God. Now, this is the quality of God that he does not change. God does not change. It's clearly taught throughout the scriptures. It says, I, the Lord, do not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. James 1.17 teaches the immutability of God. It says this, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change with shifting shadows. Does not change with shifting shadows. Now that is referring to the reflection of the sun as it goes around, as we go around the sun and in our, in our orbit around the sun, that we have night and day. We have, as the sun shines on us, the shadows, but they're going to change in an instant. 
As soon as the sun moves, it's going to change, and everything is going to change. And it says God has no change in him. He doesn't change with the seasons of the year. He doesn't change with the circumstances of the time. He doesn't change no matter who's in the White House. God, God is not going to change his mind about anything or his purpose or his plan. He's not going to change. There's nothing to change in him. God is unchangeable in his nature, his perfection, his purposes, his promises, his gifts. He cannot change. And a lot of people say, well, God tempted me. In the no, he did not, because God cannot tempt us with evil. God does not tempt anyone. The enemy does, but God does not. He cannot tempt with evil, or he would cease to be God. He can't tempt anyone. The Bible's clear that God will not change his mind, his will, or his nature. So one of the things and one of the reasons why God cannot change is immutability. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to stay close to what I'm, I've written down because this is one of those things. Remember when I said when I was studying, it's like, okay, so I want you to be able to get this. So if you're taking notes, write some of this stuff down. I'll, hopefully I can get through this with you guys understanding because I have a hard time with my finite understanding to get this. So anyway, first, if anything changes, it has to happen in a chronological order. It has to have a beginning in time, and then it has to, over time, somehow change to another point in time. It takes us time for that thing to change. For change to take place, it has to take place within the constraints of time. So God, because he is eternal and exists, and outside the constraints of time, it says that he cannot and will not change. Jeremiah 33, 11 says, says this, But the plans of the Lord, they stand forever, the purpose of his heart throughout, through all generations. So when God sets a plan in motion, and he says, this is going to happen, this is what I say in my word, guess what? He's not changing his mind on that. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what happens in our government, no matter what happens in our family life or in our job, God still has a plan. He's not changing that plan. He does not change because he cannot start. He doesn't have a starting point in time and then an ending point. He sees beginning from end. Oh, wait a minute. There is no beginning and end with God. You get it? Does that just blow your mind? And so that's what we have to try to understand. Secondly, the immutability of God is essential for his perfection. We all know it says that God's perfect, right? Absolutely perfect. If anything changes, it must change for the better or for the worse. And so being that God cannot change and he will not change, he can't change for the better or for the worse. If he did, he would not be God. He would not be perfect. If something has to change, it would change his being perfect. So he cannot change in any way. God can't get better. He can, there's nothing he needs to add to his character of who he is because if anything was added or taken away, he would cease to be perfect. Now for us, change is good because we're finite. Hopefully we are changing. Hopefully he's influencing us to change. Hopefully we are growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. That's why you're here this morning. Why? Because you just wanted to gather with them. No, you're looking for some change in your life. Well, God doesn't need that change like we do because he's perfect. So that's why we need to come to him. He can't add anything to his nature. He has no starting point, no ending point. 
Third, the immutability of God is connected, and this is the last one we're going to get to in a minute, but it's omniscience. Everybody say omniscience. Or omniscience, you could say it that way, but it's really omniscience. That means that, that when somebody changes his or her mind, it's often because there's new information that is coming. Uh, I'm not quite there yet. I think I have a couple of slides. I did jump ahead, but you, you'll be able to go back to a couple of them that I've got. We'll get to that in just a second. So in other words, when someone changes his mind, it's because they don't have enough information. Hopefully, as you come here this morning, you're getting some information about something or, you know, whatever it may be, uh, if you're dating someone right now, you're looking to get married, hopefully you're going to get some more information about them because you want as much information up front as possible. You don't want to find out that they're a serial killer down the road, right? Okay, so hopefully you'll have that conversation, you'll get some information about them, whatever it may be, you want to find out about them. Okay, God, he already knows all of those things. He's omniscient. And so, like I said, hopefully you'll gain some knowledge here. God doesn't need to gain any more knowledge. He already knows everything. That's part of his omniscience. He cannot learn something new because if he did learn something new, he would cease to be God. He would no longer be omniscient. He would no longer be God. So Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie nor a son of man, that he should change his mind. God's not changing his mind anytime soon. God's not changing his word anytime soon. We are constantly changing. Like I said, that's a good thing. God, for him to change, that's not a good thing. If God changes, we're in trouble <laughs> because he ceased to be God. That means he would have to add something to his knowledge, and he can't add anything to his knowledge and still be God. Charles Wesley said this, famous preacher, he said this, in this world where men forget us, change their attitude towards us as their private interests dictate and revise their opinion of us for the slightest cause, is it not a source of wondrous strength to know that the God with whom we have to do changes not? That his attitude towards us now is the same as it was in eternity past and will be in eternity to come. Haven't you met somebody that, you, you know, you can think of them right now, and it's part of some of you may be in therapy or counseling right now because of somebody that once that knew you because of their private interests or whatever, they no longer want anything to do with you. They changed you. Maybe you changed your idea about someone. God says, I change not. I will not change who I am. My love for you, my purpose for you is not going to change. Doesn't that bring comfort to your heart knowing that God is not going to change? He's not going to rethink his attitude towards you. Tozer said this, the, the one that we're looking at the book. He says, the fact that God does not change allows us to trust him. He is never going to be in a bad mood <laughs> or incomplete in any way. God cannot get better or holier than he is. And he certainly can't get worse or less holy than he is. So if you're Wondering, can I trust God this morning? Is God in a bad mood because I messed up? God can't get in a bad mood, otherwise he would change. His purpose is that he is love. He loves you. His grace is extended to you. He cannot change who he is. And so, as we look, the immutability of God is, is that God cannot change his nature, his character. Now, the last one is this one, and we 
just touched on it. It's omniscience. Everybody say omniscience again. Omniscience. Omniscience is a state of having total knowledge, the quality, like we just said, of knowing absolutely everything. God can't change his mind, but God also knows absolutely everything. God is the ultimate know-it-all. Now, everybody hates a know-it-all, but when it comes to God, I'm glad he's a know-it-all. <laughs> and looking at our world out there, you have people spouting off this. It's like I'm watching some of the political commercials. I have no idea what these people are talking about or who they're, who they're for or who they're against. It's like, you know, you can't even figure this stuff out anymore. And it's like, I don't even know how to approach this. And so they come across like they know everything. They know the best plan, the best agenda, everything else. Well, I'm just thankful that God is the only know-it-all that ever has existed. He knows absolutely everything. John Wesley said this, famous preacher. He said, bring me a worm that can comprehend a man, and then I will show you a man that can comprehend God. Just like a worm trying to figure out who we are, we're kind of like that. We're, we're trying to comprehend God. It, it's tough to try to comprehend who God is. But God knows everything. Omniscience is a word that's made up of two Latin words. You guys are going to learn some Latin this morning. Omni means all. And science means knowledge. So omniscience, God being omniscient, part of his nature, that means that he is, he has all knowledge. All knowledge, omniscience. So omniscience is meaning that God has all knowledge. His attribute, attribute is that he knows absolutely everything. He knows all the actualities. He knows all the possibilities in your life. He knows what's going to come, what's going to go. He knows all of those things. He can't, he can't be limited by limited amount of truth. He has all truth, all possibilities, past, present, and future. God's not waiting to see what's going to happen in the future. Somehow, because of his omniscience, he already sees into the future. He sees us ruling and reigning with him already. He already knows all of that. Now I know, that's like the worm trying to figure out. But that's what we accept from his word. He knows all of those things. There's never been a time when anything was unknown by God. It means that there will never be a time that he does not possess full, perfect, and absolute knowledge. 1 John three nineteen through 20 says this. Then this is how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. It says whenever our hearts condemn us, in other words, we don't understand his grace, his mercy, his love. Whenever our heart, he says, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. He knows everything. He knows the smallest details of our lives, those things that surround us. He, he mentions that he knows every sparrow that falls, every hair that falls from our head. It says he knows all of those things. God's knowledge that will occur is unlimited. His, his knowledge and the things that are going to occur, he already knows all of those things. I was talking to somebody the other day and they're watching the news and they say, I, I'm just so upset about all the things that are happening in the world. What in the world's going to happen? They're believers in Christ. What are we going to do? If, they, you know, if this happens, if this happens, this happens, oh my gosh, then what, what, the world is just going to hell in a handbasket and everything else. And so they, they're complaining and they're, they're depressed and they're downtrodden. And I just looked at him and I said, uh, does God have a plan? 
Does God have a purpose? And does God know everything? Well, yeah. Then why are you worrying? Why are you anxious? If the whole purpose and plan of God is that he is coming back, he could come back today. He could come back anytime. You see, Jesus was an apocalyptic preacher. He said, there is coming a time when I'm coming back to this earth. Guess what? You in your limited knowledge, you in your limited time and space, you're not going to fix this earth, and so I have to come back, and I'm stepping in. Do we really believe that? Then why don't we act like that? Why do we get so upset about everything going around us if Jesus says, I'm coming back, I'm going to restore and make new heaven and a new earth. And yet we get so upset about all the things that we see going on in the world. God, Jesus predicted and he said there's going to be wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places. Men are going to be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. People are going to hate one another. And you're just going, I just can't believe all this stuff is happening. Wait a minute. The God, the omniscient God that has all knowledge, omniscient God, all knowledge, he already told us that. He already let us in on that. And so why are we so worried about it all? Why are we so upset about it? Why are we in strife about it all? Shouldn't we be going around saying, you know what, God's got this. Things getting worse, okay. It's been predicted if we really believe it. If we really do. So it says God's greater than our hearts. It says in Psalm 139.4. Psalms 139.4. Psalms 139.4. It's coming. Do I have Psalms 139.4? I will read Psalms. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the next one. Do I have, do I have Isaiah 46? Isaiah 46.9.10. I'm showing my finiteness. Remember the former things, those of long ago, I am God and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come, I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please, but he also knows our very thoughts even before we speak. Omniscience. All knowledge. Knows the thoughts even before we speak. And Psalms 139.4 says this. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Before we even speak, God already knows what we're going to say. He already knows it. In the New Testament, it's all over the place. In the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, this isn't on there either. It says the, disciple, or the apostles, they were looking for someone else to replace Judas. And they trusted in God because they said this, Lord, you know everyone's heart. You know everyone's heart. Jesus, when he was here, his omniscience was shown because when he went around talking to people, it says this time and time again. In Matthew, it says this. It says, knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, and then he started talking of what they were talking about and thinking about. Matthew 12, 25, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them. Mark 2, 8, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that there was what they were thinking in their hearts. Luke 6, 8, but Jesus knew what they were thinking. You see, this isn't some trick like you see on America's Got Talent. That's a trick. There's a way to do it. 
No, Jesus knew what they were thinking. He knew about people's lives before he even met them. The lady at the well, she was collecting water, and she was telling her about his life, and Jesus sat there. He already knew. He says, in fact, is you have had, uh, you've had five husbands, and the husband you're with, um, the guy that you're with, um, is not even your husband. She's like, oh. Goes on in John. Tells the disciples that his friend Lazarus is dead. Well, they're 25 miles away from where Lazarus was. And Jesus already knew that Lazarus was dead. He advised his disciples to go prepare for the Lord's Supper. He told them who to go meet, where to meet him, and everything else, and prepare. Jesus already knew all of that. He knew Nathaniel before even meeting him. Saw him underneath a tree and talked about and told Nathaniel about his life. So nothing can catch God off guard. He knows everything. He knows our thoughts. And since nothing can catch God off guard and he knows everything, how does that bring relief to Christians going through difficult circumstances? How does that affect us since God is omniscient? He knows everything. He's all-knowing. How does that affect our lives if we are serving an omniscient God? It means there's absolutely nothing that you're going through. There's nothing too hard for God because he's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows exactly what we're going through, what you're going through right now. He knows the doubts that you're having as you're praying for someone right now to get well. And it's just getting worse. He knows that. And he also knows the outcome of your loved one and the purpose and the plan that he has whether he takes them home or whether he heals them. He knows. We're finite. He's infinite. He knows. And we have to rest in that, that God knows. That's what God says for us to do. There's nothing too hard for an omniscient God. God knew you and me. The very time that we entered into this time-space continuum, he knew exactly when you were going to be born. Like the psalmist says, he knew me in my mother's womb. He knew that you were going to be here this morning to hear this message. He knows all of those things. He foresaw us in our sin and our depravity. He saw you going through that failure in your life where you blew it. He saw that already, and he already had a plan for you to be restored out of that. He knew all of that. You didn't surprise God when you blew it and you, you thought your life was over and everything was done. You did not surprise God. He knew it. But will you turn to him in the midst of that and say, God, thank you that you're omniscient. You're all-knowing. You knew I was going to go through this and I can give you praise even though I couldn't see it. But I'm on the other side and you showed me your grace and your mercy and your love because you're omniscient. You know everything. And how whatever you're facing in your life today, whether you're praying for somebody or a kid that's wandered off from the faith, you can know that God's omniscient. He knows what the outcome's gonna be. We're finite. We can't see it. But that's because he's God. And we can trust and rest in that. He saw us in our depravity, and that's why he came. Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. I'm closing a couple right here. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure. Do you know you're, you're his pleasure? with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Praise be to God. 
for what he's done in your life. That's why we come and we worship him, because we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, because he chose you to be here this morning. He chose you to be walking in this life right now. Tozer says this in his book, The Knowledge of the Holy. He says, how unutterably sweet is the knowledge that our Heavenly Father knows us completely. No tail-bearer can inform on us. No enemy can make an accusation stick. No forgotten skeleton can come tumbling out of some hidden closet to abash us and expose our past. No unsuspected weakness in our characters can come to light to turn God away from us since he knew us utterly before we knew him and called us to himself in the full knowledge of everything that was against us. Whoo! Man, alive, I'm glad he wrote that because I could never come up with that. Man, is that good. The knowledge that God has called us, full knowledge of everything against us, and yet he's called us and loves us right where we're at. One day, we will see him face to face. We'll be able to see and complete and try to understand his greatness. But in that, all we can do is sit back and just wonder, in wonder and awe and say, God, I thank you. Thank you for your infinitude. That you're not limited by time and space. You know beginning and end. You know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen in November. You know what's going to happen two years from now. You know what's going to happen in all of these things. I can rest in you. Thank God for his immutability that he's not going to change his mind or his plan. His purpose is going to be fulfilled. And thank God for his omniscience, the quality of knowing everything about us and everything that's going on in this world. We can rest in that. We can have peace that passes understanding. Talk about peace that passes understanding. It's because of those three characteristics of God. It's because we know that our view of God and how we view him, in the, even in these areas, and Tim's going to unpack some more next week, these areas, we know that we can trust him. And because of that, it'll not only change our lives now, but he has the ability to change our lives for the future. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your infinitude, that you're not limited by circumstances, you're not limited by time, space. We thank you for your immutability, that, God, you're not going to change in any way. You're not going to change your attitude towards us. Lord, we thank you for your omniscience today, that you know everything about us. And God, I just pray if there's someone here this morning that they've been wondering, does God really know me? Does he even think about me? Does he have a plan for me? Does, is there a purpose for me in my life? God, I pray that they would be able to somehow grasp these attributes, these characteristics of your nature, and that they are perfect, that they are here in this time right now, even though you're timeless for this moment. God, may you speak to their heart, and may they turn to you God, those that are followers of you, God, may they, they turn to you in the midst of circumstances and sickness and, and divorce and, and so many problems in this world. Those who are wondering what's going to happen in the future for our kids and our grandkids, may they turn to you and have your experience, your peace that passes understanding before they leave this place today. God, if there's someone here that has never asked you into their lives and to follow you, may they make that decision today. We seek someone out. I'm going to be in the front here this morning. If, if, you want to, if they want to know more, God, I'd, we just want to talk to them. God, just speak to them today. 
As we leave this place, help us to remember these things in our finite knowledge, in our finite minds, in our finite space that we live in. God, may we remember that you do not change, that you know all things and everything about us. We'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. If you need prayer, we're going to have prayer open in the back over there. If you'd like to talk, I'll be up in front. God bless you. Have a great day.